Are you ready to turn your investments into retirement income? Listen in as Jeremy Kyle and his guests reveal ways you can make smarter retirement, investment, and tax planning decisions to achieve your ideal retirement. You will learn more about your money so you can feel better about your money and make better money decisions. Now, on to the show. Welcome to Retirement Revealed. I'm your host, Jeremy Kyle, and we're here to turn your retirement savings into retirement income. Today, I asked my producer, Eric Johnson, to join me to talk through the top three ways to lower your tax bill in 2022. Eric, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. This is good. I like it. I'm, yeah. I'm excited about the topic today. I mean, who doesn't want to lower taxes? That's exactly it. And of course, we're talking here towards the end of 2022. And you might be listening in 2023. So all is not lost. We'll be talking about 2023 as well. And typically, the same concepts, the same process applies each and every year. We just want to give a good reminder at the end of the year. If you haven't done these things yet, you better look into it because you might have just a few days left. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the thing, Jeremy, you put out podcasts every week. So if something changes, I know you're going to update everybody. That's right. Yeah, you got yeah. it. And things could be changing. There's talk about this thing called a Secure Act 2.0. We're here early December. You might be listening late December and say it happened or it didn't happen. We'll find out. Maybe it never happens. Who knows? But that's the whole point of just being educated, listening. And I appreciate everyone you know, listening in and, and just trying to get more out of their money. All right, well, let's get started here. The top three ways to save tax money uh, in 2022. And the first one, I'm going to say it's unfortunate. I wish we weren't talking about it. It's something called tax loss harvesting. And that's usually something that comes up when the stock market is down. Of course, this year in 2023, the stock market and the bond market is down. Sorry, it's 2022. I hope I'm not predicting that 2023 <laughs> yeah. things are down Please as well. No. Yeah. yeah, so here we are, end of 2022, stock market's down, bond market's down. That's not a good situation. You might see a lot of negatives on your paper statements. We want to take those negatives kind of off the paper and onto your tax return because at least you can get some level of benefit this year from that negativity that's happened in the stock and bond market. And you might have heard of this thing called the 30-day wash sale, this thing where the government knows what's going on. They know that if you're selling a stock and buying it back three minutes later, you're just trying to book that loss. You didn't really do anything related to your investment changes. And so they've got this thing called a 30-day wash sale to combat that. But you can get pretty close. You can, for example, sell your McDonald's stock and go buy Burger King stock. Like chances are, if the market goes up, it's gonna go up a similar amount. If the market goes down, it's gonna go down a similar amount because they're both just fast food restaurants. So if you're doing something called tax loss harvesting, we don't like the idea of selling out, leaving your money in cash for 30 days because the market, especially in 2022 of all years, is wildly up and down yeah. in a 30-day period, right? So what you need to do is buy similar but not exact funds. We'll just give you an example. The S&P 500, you might've heard of it before. It is the top 500 stocks in the US. There's another thing called an index called the Russell 1000. That is the top 1000 stocks in the US. So guess what? Half of those stocks, the S&P 500, are in the Russell 1000 because top 500 is part of the top 1000. But there's another 500 stocks that are in the Russell 1000 that are not in the S&P 500. They're similar 
but they're not exact. We believe that would count as a tax loss harvesting situation where if you have the S&P 500, you can sell that fund, buy the Russell 1000, so your overall risk really hasn't changed too much at all. It obviously changed some because you're in something different. It hasn't changed too much at all. So if you would have made some money or lost some money, you should make a similar dollar amount, uh, but it's not exact. And it's far enough away in our opinion that you should be able to uh, count that as a tax loss harvest, where if you're you're down a few thousand bucks, you're down hopefully not more than a few thousand bucks, you actually get to basically take that, that loss off your statement and throw it on your tax return. And that's gonna help out for future gains. Uh, you might've had gains from the beginning of the year. Maybe you were doing things in January and you have these gains that are on your statement. Well, this should help offset some of those. And there's this rule, this kind of uh, ability, where if you have up to $3,000 of a long-term capital loss, then it gets to go against your income. And that's actually a help. I can't find any place where long-term capital gains taxes are higher than regular income taxes. So if you have this capital loss, of up to $3,000 and it gets to go against your income taxes, that's an overall tax benefit. So we don't like that this is a situation, but you need to make what, lemonade out of lemons? Like, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Tax loss harvesting <laughs> is the first thing to look at for the end of 2022. Okay, so so let me let's clarify. Are you saying that you could sell, like you, I think it was an index, you sell an index that has certain companies in it, and even if you buy another index that has some of those same companies in it, it's it still doesn't count against the wash rule? Yeah, it needs to be different. And of course, a lot of things in the tax code are not prescribed. Mm -hmm. They're more uh, described, right? So you can't buy something that's substantially the same. Well, what yeah. does that mean? And uh, I guess technically <laughs> you got to go into tax court to find out for sure. But uh, in my mind, if half the stocks in that index are not in the other fund, you're doing all right. You know, I, I think you'd be fine. Or if you have an actively managed large company fund, and you go buy the passive S&P 500, like that actively managed fund probably only has 50 or 100 stocks in it. Well, the S&P 500 has 500 stocks. Yeah. Like in my mind, I'm thinking you're doing all right. And of course, uh, you'll hear our disclosures at the end that we're not tax uh, advisors. We're not giving you tax advice. And I think virtually any tax preparer is uh, not really wanting to tell you, oh yes, for sure, this is actually gonna help. Mm -hmm. I think that's gonna be a, a long way towards, towards helping. Of course, if you buy the, uh, uh, if you sell like the the Fidelity S and P five hundred and go buy the Vanguard S and P five hundred, I think you're playing with fire there. <laughs> yeah, I, that's that's a bad idea. <laughs> I, I don't think that's the right right way to do it. But uh, that's why you look at a different index, or you're moving from a mutual fund that's actively managed into an index. There's something that's different. There's mm -hmm. something investment related there. Uh, I think that will be getting you in the right direction. All right, I didn't mean to derail you. What's the second thing on your list? No, that was great. That's a great point to bring up. The second thing is Roth conversions. And that's mm. something where we're talking about that every year, uh, yeah. whether the market's up or down, every year is a new tax year. The Roth conversion, if you don't get it done by December 31st, you lose that year's ability to actually do a Roth conversion. And why that's so important right now is the tax rates are scheduled to change in 2026. So we have 2022, 23, 24, 25, we have four tax years left. Or if you don't do it this year, you're down to three tax years left before these tax rates are scheduled 
to go up. So every year is an opportunity to do a Roth conversion. That doesn't mean you ought to do a Roth conversion every year, but you ought to look at doing a Roth conversion. Tax advisor, a financial advisor, uh, someone that you're working with, or if you do it on your own for your taxes and your investments, one thing that's important to do every year, November-ish, December-ish, is project out what this year's tax return might look like. You know, take a look at last year, make adjustments if you know your income's up, your income's down. The tax brackets change, right? Go take a look and see, do I have any room to do a Roth conversion at a good rate? And good rates are often the 12% bracket, the 22% bracket, the 24% bracket, and yet there's so many things that come in there with like college savings, child tax credits, small business income deductions. There's so many crazy things in there. That's why we use tax software that goes in and actually plans out uh, what if you made $500 more in income, $500 more in income, $500 more in income. It keeps doing this for a long time and actually ch charts out. You'd be surprised how even within one tax bracket, there's like a up and down, it looks like a mountain. And when you are, looking at it, you can see, oh, this is the right amount to do as a Roth conversion. I ought to do a $20,000 Roth conversion, or I ought to make no Roth conversion, or oh my goodness, things are looking great for the Roth conversion world for the next 100 grand of income. Well, uh, because you've planned it out, you've mapped it out, you've taken a look at it, you can make a good decision there of how much you ought to do with a Roth conversion. So some people say, always do a Roth conversion. Some people say, never do a Roth conversion. We say always look at a Roth conversion mm -hmm. and you need to project out what your likely tax return will be for the current year. And you'll be able to see where do you have room to do a Roth conversion without changing things too much and without losing out on tax credits and, and different things there. Now there's an age issue with this, right? There's only a certain age that you can really look at a Roth conversion. Well, that's what a lot of people think and say because they often know that in the past, you could not make a traditional IRA contribution over the age of 70 and one half. They've actually gotten rid of that. Mm -hmm. uh, they also know that you cannot make a Roth contribution without any active earned income. Like if you don't have a job, your spouse doesn't have a job, you can't make a Roth contribution. But this is a conversion. Very, very similar word. Conversion says I have existing money that's in a traditional account. Mm -hmm. I just move it over to the Roth account. And the government says you can do anything you want. You can convert the entire amount if you wanted to at any age, at any income level, which means if you do a whole lot, you get a whole lot of taxes. That's why you need to plan that out. So uh, we've heard so many people have this uh, thought that there is a uh, age limit or there's an earnings limit or you have to have some earnings. With a conversion, none of that applies at all. So You're that doesn't saying, count as a 10% penalty then for so somebody under what 55 or 59 and a half or whatever. Yeah, you're right. Uh, where if you take the money out mm -hmm. of the traditional IRA, there is a 10% penalty oftentimes when you're below 59 and a half. But if you take that entire amount from the traditional and move that entire amount to the Roth, there is no taking the money out. Oh, it went okay. from the traditional into the Roth. Now, where people can get in trouble is when they're below that 59 and a half, they say, oh my goodness, I figured this out. I have to pay, let's just call it 20% taxes today mm -hmm. uh, on that Roth conversion. And they'll say, well, this traditional account is kind of holding the tax bill. So let's have the traditional account pay the tax bill. 
Well, if you take out money from your traditional to your Roth, that didn't come out of the IRA world. Mm-hmm. But if you take the money from the traditional to go pay the federal government, go pay yeah. the state government, that actually counts as a distribution. And then you might be subject to that 10% penalty. So that's that's right on. When you are below 59 and a half, you've got to pay attention to, am I taking any money from my traditional account that counts as a distribution? And that withholding, you didn't get it, but it went straight to the government. Mm-hmm. That, that withholding does count as a distribution. So oftentimes when you're below 59 and a half, you very, very much want to pay the tax bill some other way. When you're above 59 and a half, paying the tax bill another way, you know, writing out a check is almost always the better choice to go, but you've got more latitude. You've got the ability then to not worry about, okay, if I move from traditional to Roth and I take out some money to pay the taxes when you're over 59 and a half, that 10% penalty you don't have to worry about. Got it. Thanks for bringing that up. We talk to people who are 60 plus all day. Mm -hmm. And so I, I appreciate the reminder. We sometimes need that reminder. Hey, rules are different when you're below 59 and a half on the distributions from your traditional accounts. Yeah, I'm not quite to 60 yet, Jeremy. I'm, I'm, I'm creeping, but n- not not there no, yet. No, you're, you're, you're far enough away, Eric, but uh, <laughs> so that's why it's on your mind yeah. on there. I, I appreciate that. It's Jeremy Kyle here, and I know you're listening to the Retirement Reveal Podcast because you want to learn more about making great retirement decisions. I've created a free video course for you to do just that. Head over to 5stepretirementplan.com and sign up to receive this video training right in your email inbox. We broke down our 5-step retirement plan into bite-sized videos so you can get started on the retirement, investment, and tax planning you need to create a consistent retirement income. Go to 5stepretirementplan.com, use the number or spell it out, you'll get there either way. 5stepretirementplan.com. Thanks for listening, and now for the rest of the show. Well, our third one is to donate to charity. And we're mm-hmm. fans of donating to charity anytime, any level of income, any amount. That's that's a great thing to do. Being generous is a, is a great way to live, great mindset to have. And so many people were getting this itemized deduction for charity back in 2017 and earlier. When they changed the standard deductions, they basically doubled it. Mm-hmm. A lot less people we're able to get the itemized deduction. And we would love for you to keep donating to charity, whether you get the deduction or not. Yet, if you can get a deduction, why not go for it? If you can do what you are already doing and save some tax money, that might actually encourage you to give a little bit more to charity, right? So that's what's interesting about these donations to charity. It's kind of like you've got to go big sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's also uh, this word called bunching. It's kind of like you're better off doing two things in one tax year instead of one thing in each tax year, right? If you were going to give $5,000 to charity this year and $5,000 to charity next year, you're better off bunching it into one tax year. That's almost always uh, the case. And you've got to generally go big to the point where your charity in one tax year is like $10,000, $20,000 or more which some people might think, oh my goodness, I can never do that. And other people might be thinking, well, that's what I do every year anyways. And so if you're somebody that gives $20,000 per year to charity, you are better off bunching it together into 40,000 in one year and $0 the next year. Which if you're somebody that gives $20,000 to charity, the thought that you only give zero 
next year just doesn't probably sit well with you. Mm-hmm. But there are options because you've exactly talked about it. It on this podcast before. We talk about often the, the biggest option is something called a donor advice fund. Love that. Where you can give that big, we're going to go with that example right now, $20,000 you give to charity every year. Instead of giving $20,000 to charity this year and another $20,000 to charity this year uh, on top of it, kind of like your normal, plus mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of like you're prepaying next year's charity. It, when you do that and give it directly to charities, you know, your churches, your charities, they get nothing for 12 months. They're kind of thinking, what, what, what's wrong? You know, do you not like me anymore? <laughs> <Are you> mad? <laughs> right. Yep. Uh, or sometimes people say, wait a second, if I get $40,000 to church this year, they can expect the same $40,000 uh, next year. And that's just not, not the case. So the donor advice fund really kind of just separates out when you give the money to charity and when you get the tax deduction. So if you were to give $40,000 to that donor advice fund this year, 2022, you would get that full tax deduction in 2022. And then later on, you can decide and you can send out the money from the donor advice fund uh, over to the charity. So you could kind of separate out when's a good time for your taxes for you to give and get that deduction. And when do you like to uh, give the money out to your, your churches, your charities, especially if it's a church, you oftentimes want to give every month or every week. And you can set up your donor advice fund to pay out every single month or every single week, the same exact dollar amount. And that way that the church, the charity gets their same consistent amount that you're giving, but you bunch things together and gave the money over in one big year so that you get a bigger tax deduction for this year. And this is such a big idea. Oftentimes it's related to gifting stock to charity or stock to a donor advice fund. I'd find that to be a little more unlikely this year in 2022 with yeah. the market being down, uh, but there could be, you know, there's not every single stock in the world is down. There might be stocks that are still going up in 22. And if you have one of those, you might still have some stock you want to give directly to the donor advice fund. And these donor advice funds, they deal with the stocks all the time. Your church, it might deal with it once a year or never. So it might even just be easier for the church for you to give that stock to the donor advice fund as opposed to giving that stock uh, directly to the church. So big fan of the donor advice fund as a way to donate to charity, especially when you couple it up with, let's bunch things together. So you kind of go really big in one year and close to zero in the next year, as opposed to doing the normal two years in a row. Yeah. Yeah. I, I loved it when you talked about it and really explained it on that other podcast. Um, so listener, please go back and find that. Uh, maybe Jeremy, you can put a link to it in, in oh, the yeah, show we'll, notes. We'll do that. Yeah. Because it was so powerful and it was news to me, right? I, I didn't know all the flexibility it had. So that was, that was a lot of fun to learn about that. Yeah. And, and while you're talking there and remembering about that podcast, I want to just make sure to that point, it's long-term stock. It's stock that you've held over 12 months. Uh, that, that counts. So the, usually the more than 12 months, everyone says 12 months in a day. Cause that's, that's one way to know for sure. It's over 12 yeah. months, right? <laughs> you want yep. to get down to the, uh, the, the penny or the dollar or the, uh, uh, the time of day that you happen to buy that stock. It's over 12 months. So 12 months in a day is the easy way to do that. So there we go. We've got the three things you need to do right now to look at lowering your tax bill in 2022. That's tax loss harvesting, Roth conversions, donate to charity, and we want to give you some bonuses because uh, it's not just 2022. Uh, you might even be listening to this in early 2023. And if you are sitting here at the end of December, 
the beginning of January, we want you to be prepared to some things that are changing in 2023. The biggest one in my mind is that all these contribution levels, there's a lot of changes, right? And you have limits to how much you can put into a Roth IRA, mm -hmm. how much you can put into an HSA, how much you can put into a 401k. So I wanna go over that just real quick uh, so that you can prepare for it. You might even be somebody that's putting like $500 a month away. Well, you do that next year in 2023, uh, you're gonna still have some room, right? Because the, the, the limits change. So let me just go over that real quick for you. All right. Is that if you're contributing to a Roth, contributing to a traditional IRA, it is now $6,500 for the year 2023. It's $6,500 you can put into there. Uh, it's still $1,000 for that catch-up contribution. If you're somebody that puts money into an HSA, a health savings account, that's now $3,850 uh, that you can put into the HSA. And of course, if there's two of you, right, it's you and your spouse, that's doubled. And if either one of you is over 55, that's $1,000 you can put in as a catch-up. Each of you could put in $1,000 as a catch-up. Each of you have to be individually 55 or older for that. And then for the 401k, 403b, TSB, we've got a lot of federal government employees listening. 457, we've got a lot of state government employees listening. Those limits have jumped pretty high too. Uh, it's no longer in 2022, the 20,500 for a maximum. It's now 22,500 oh, wow. for the maximum. And it's no longer 6,500 for the catch-up when you're over 50. It's 7,500 for the catch-up. So if you're listening and it's 2023 and you're 50 or above, you can put 30 grand away towards your retirement through those 401ks or other other plans. That's fantastic. That's a huge jump. Yeah, it's a really big jump. And if you're a good saver, making the best use of those different types of plans is a good way to do it. The investing is important. The tax planning and figure out when you want to pay taxes is something you can control. And speaking of things you control, I want to finish up here with something that's been on the top of uh, so many people's minds lately which is how do I get more interest? It turns out a year ago, your bank accounts are paying probably close to zero. Mm -hmm. And so is just about everything else. And here we are a year later, your bank accounts are still paying close to zero. <laughs> and yet a whole lot of other things have gone up uh, higher. I just looked it up today. Uh, here we are early December and the average savings account in the US is paying 0.24%. That's the average. So when you're getting your statement from a big bank, from a community bank, chances are your savings is right around 0.24% because that's what the average is. I just saw yesterday a high yield savings account at 4.05%. And so wow. the difference, the huge difference between what you get on average and what you can get by taking things into your own hands is, I mean, it's mind boggling. 4% uh, is what we saw for a high yield uh, savings account. In our mind, the best places to go to double check that is bankrate.com or maxmyinterest.com. That's ways that you can go and find what the best interest rates are that are out there. Uh, but a new one is something called treasury bills. Well, it's not new, it's been around forever. It's just that the rates at the end of 2022, you're getting over four and a half percent, whether you have a four month treasury bill, a six month treasury bill, or a 12 month treasury bill. Right, if you're somebody thinking that I don't like my average savings account of 0.24, I'm not even happy with an online savings account in the 3% area, and you're somebody that maybe usually does like CD ladders, bond ladders, things like that, 
you can do that with these treasury bills. Four and a half percent are what the rates are on four months, six months, and 12 month treasury bills. They're even you know higher than that, but I just wanted to give you kind of, here's a number, four and a half or more is where things are looking in December of 2022. We've got an article about that. It's one of the top articles about how do you find a treasury bill? How do you buy a treasury bill? What are the rates? So we'll have a link to that uh, in the show notes as well. And of course, the easy way to get there is to go to retirement-revealed.com and you'll have a link to all the things we talked about today. All right, Jeremy, you talked about a ton of stuff. A lot That's, of, well, lot of like good information. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And uh, you got to figure it's the end of the year. You maybe have less time in the office, more time uh, drive around to the mall and to family and you're listening <laughs> to the podcast. So uh, while, when you when you get uh, the car stopped, write these down. Tax loss harvesting, Roth conversions, donate to charity. Know that in 2023, you can give more money, you can place more money into your IRAs, your HSA, your 401k. And uh, one thing to give yourself more control of your money is to get more money on your money. And so definitely look into getting a better interest rate on any of your savings account type of accounts. Perfect. Awesome. Well, th uh, Eric, we want to thank you for helping us out here, coming on the show. It's been a little bit. And so yeah. we're excited to have you back on. It's my pleasure, man. I've, I always learn something. It's it's great. Well, same here too. And I appreciate uh, the reminders and bouncing things back and forth is a, is a good way to go. You bet. Awesome. Well, thanks, Eric. And thank you for listening to the Retirement Reveal podcast. We believe if you know more about your money, you'll feel better about your money and you will make better money decisions. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast. Click on the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit retirement-revealed.com to learn more. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Kyle Financial Partners. Kyle Financial Partners does not provide legal, accounting, or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For complete details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Kyle Financial Partners is a part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.